Hello, and welcome to the Procurement Game Changers podcast, brought to you by Consulting Quest. Ever wondered how the leaders get it done? What differentiates them from the rest of us? Let's tune in and learn from the best leaders in the procurement space. Let's do it. And now, over to your host, Helen Lafitte. Welcome to the Procurement Game Changes, the podcast for leaders that make a difference. Today, we'll discuss how to set up a procurement organization. And to discuss the topic, I have the great pleasure to have with me today, Ricardo Garciola. Ricardo is the executive leader, sourcing process and analytics at Whole Food Market. He is an experienced procurement professional in strategic sourcing, supplier development, and tactical and transactional procurement from the sourcing process to the logistic supply chain operation. Ricardo has over 25 years of working experience with many companies. He is currently with Whole Food Market, a subsidiary of Amazon, which specializes in organic supermarkets. Welcome to the show, Ricardo. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you for having me. And uh, happy to join this conversation on this uh, interesting topic. Ricardo, could you tell us what led you to procurement? It is actually an interesting story, and I uh, began my professional career working in the airspace industry, particularly on the helicopter exhibition of this big airspace group. And one of my responsibility was to source and buy the minor and major components for the maintenance and repair of the helicopters. But the silver lining of my job was to have the opportunity to voluntarily ride helicopters on a test flight after each maintenance job. So while I enjoy so much and learn and learn so much by doing my job, at the same time, I needed to ensure to work with the best supplier, ensure the best quality and control, because literally I was putting my life on their hands. So uh, procurement is a critical part of any organization, and I'm sure that you will agree with me, Ricardo. And as managing the supply chain and sourcing raw materials or services are vital for successful operations. So for companies that have outgrown manual procurement practices and near most sophisticated solution, setting up a procurement organization can be doubting. And that's why it's important to understand this necessary step for creating an effective and efficient procurement setup. So what are the metrics to consider before making your decision? How to decide what activities should be kept internal versus those that could be outsourced? And when is the right time to invest in new technology? This is what we will discuss today. Yeah, I'm going to say there are different levels of um, procurement maturity uh, in the organizations. But uh, what I've seen in my experience, the more advanced procurement practices is in those industries dedicated to manufactured products uh, because uh, they have some internal dynamics that require more advanced sourcing and procurement organization, you know, to ensure uh, timely manner supply of materials or actually sometimes just in time uh, ensure the appropriate quality and perfectly understand all the different guardrails for the commercial agreements to monitor the relationship and keep the manufacturing costs and general cost of goods sold within control. So I'm going to say like basically those with those with the dynamics that require an advanced uh, procurement organization. Yeah, it's true that I remember 
when I was working for Engie, so gas distribution company, I had the opportunity to discuss with someone that, who was working in the Airbus and in the procurement space. And there were so much more advanced than we were in that field, uh, in particular in um, the supplier development, that we were not doing much, and they were really doing that for years, uh, bringing you know, suppliers from not so good to, to compliant to all the regulation in the uh, in aerospace industry. So yeah, that's um it is true that that's probably one of the of the best places when you're in procurement. But let's go back to you know building an organization for 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 a, a company. So if I am the CEO of a company, how do I know that now is the time to set up a procurement organization? Well, um, thank you. That's a pretty good question. It is common to believe that it becomes more relevant to leverage the benefits of a procurement organization when your supplier database is increasing and the spend is becoming more important. But in my perspective and experience, it should always be important to understand the correct administration of your spend, the implementation of metrics, performance measurement, and clear definition of order, quality, operational, and commercial conditions. Uh, with the third-party suppliers and commercial partners, because there are many opportunities you may lose by being reactive. So uh, in my experience, it is important to uh, implement this in uh, like, like, you know, early in the process of your organization, because when you have the time to be proactive and non-reactive. Uh, that's, that's a good point. So since we're talking about doing that in the early stage, what's the bare minimum that a procurement organization should do? Well, one of the, like, you know, one of the main indicators for a procurement organization or metrics of success is the cost containment, you know, to deliver savings. Uh, but they have to do that, you know, that's that's a must. The, the procurement organization has to be able to contain the costs to develop suppliers, to select suppliers, to source uh, those uh, uh, suppliers, uh, ensure the business continuity plans, you know, to ensure the material will keep coming, the services will keep coming, to identify strategic partners, to foster uh, relationships and reduce the risk. And this is one uh, important risk because by ensuring the risk of materials and keeping the negotiations uh, uh, you know, like under control to maintain and cost containment, uh, to monitor how the suppliers are performing, uh, to monitor the commercial conditions and facilitate and provide a smooth relationship between the internal clients, because at the end of the day, those are the end users. And uh, so maintain that relationship between the internal clients and third party suppliers. So that's, I believe it's a bare minimum that a procurement organization should do to really deliver the value of a sourcing and procurement organization. So we have that all those elements that we need to um, deliver, but what metrics can help determine the right size for the procurement group? So you say we need a procurement group, obviously, we need all those activities to be done, but how many people do we need and how do we build that sizing? Actually, how do we determine that? What's the right size? You know, depending on the number of categories that you have, the number of suppliers, materials, uh, what is the spend that you have, 
uh, if you are if you are having the ta those tactical and transactional activities under your control, uh, and of course, understand what is the level of automation of the procurement function. There are different tools and different technology uh, outside uh, that you can like source and find and implement within your organization to become more efficient in those like you know tactical and transactional activities and have the right size. So. In my mind, uh, the number of uh, categories and suppliers to manage is uh, one of the indicators to determine the, the right size of your procurement organization. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned before, you have those activities, you have that number of suppliers that you have to um, build a relationship with and, and make sure the contracts are going okay and the commercial conditions are fine, etc. And then there's the number of categories and it's like you multiply a little bit all of this and you should have um, your numbers. However, there is also the game between internal and, and external. Um, so how do you decide to keep external or uh, to outsource procurement activities? Typically, uh, the transactional activities are the easiest to outsource, you know, those uh, like uh, procure to pay, uh, cutting the POs, tracking the POs, uh, tracking the invoices. And in general, like that uh, transactional activity with the supplier is, is the easiest to outsource. Why? Uh, because you have already defined the guardrails uh, and success metrics with the relationship with your suppliers. So having an external third party or even an automated platform conducting the transactional activities represents a low risk under certain conditions. Mm -hmm. On the other side, the strategic portion involves other components that require a deeper analysis of the market, the industry, the participant suppliers, uh, those negotiations in some cases involve confidential information and it's better to keep the strategic portion in-house to have an internal cross-functional evaluation of the supply source prior to initiate the supply of goods and services. Does so, it make sense? Yeah, yeah, that sounds a lot but like make or buy strategy. So yes, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> no, I think that the confidentiality part is often overlooked when people are doing make or buy. And it's not only at a very high level of saying, oh, I'm building my organization, I'm gonna outsource, insource. It's also at a project level. Let's talk about the thing that I know, which is consulting. Uh, sometimes the, the, the executive that are buying are underestimating the risk that they're taking by working with an external consultant, especially on very strategic projects where uh, we that's it's a little bit the more the merrier right? the more people you get into the room the riskier um the on the on the confidentiality level so yes i think that's that makes a lot of sense so yes so i understand so we know it now it's time i know what the bare minimum is i know the size i know what you internalize exter externalize but we know how it works right i need to justify to um, the top leadership, the building of that organization. How do we, you know, build the case for change? How do we justify the return on investment of building a procurement organization? Yeah, that's a, an interesting question. Uh, there are different benefits, you know, like operational benefits, uh, efficiencies, but uh, I'm going to say the pretty straightforward uh, 
indicator to build a business case for a procurement organization is the cost savings uh, that you can deliver year over year. But there is another, like which I believe even more important indicator, which is the potential loss of business or sales opportunities because of the lack of materials or services. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty important portion. So by reducing the risk, by creating, uh, 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 you know, or developing cross relationship with the suppliers by becoming the customer of choice to your uh, supply sources, you reduce the risk. And of course, you uh, uh, increase the, uh, the sales opportunities for the company in general. So cost containment is a pretty straightforward indicator, but there is another component, which is, you know, the business continuity, which is important. Yeah, I, I was thinking about cost avoidance as well. I think that it's not very often measured because it's very difficult to analyze how much money you're not losing by doing things right. But I think that there's um there's an element here where procurement is often seen only through the lens of cost savings, where actually because it allows the rest of the organization to function, actually, to have everything and, and not only direct procurement, indirect procurement too. Uh, I was I was discussing with one of your colleagues. He was talking about what what is the definition of indirect and was saying that's everything. You don't know that exists until it's not there, right? And <laughs> and he was saying that when you come into a company, you expect everything to work. You expect to have a desk, a chair. You expect to have a computer, to have light, to have heat. And all of this is dealt with by procurement. And, yeah. and uh, there's all the things that make, you know, it, everything work. So... It's so it's it's funny that it's so under evaluated and under, under um you know underrated function in the company. That's pretty interesting. And and yeah, you're right. I mean, there are different components of the cost containment. I'm not saying just by reducing the the price that you're paying invoice uh, on your invoices, but there are also rebates and other you know sustainability initiatives, the cost avoidance that you mentioned. Uh, some different companies like this, there is like an entire taxonomy to classify your savings and your economical benefits. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. So what resistance should you expect, you know, and, and how to overcome them? This uh, actually typically happens when you are deploying a sourcing solution, you know, the resistance, mm -hmm. uh, because the budget owners, which is actually the, the internal stakeholder, prefer to make decisions and use their trusted suppliers to reduce the risk of switching to a different supplier, to an unknown supplier. And this is one of the main resistances. Uh, the way to overcome, in my perspective, how to overcome this is to work side by side with the internal stakeholders holders and show them the benefits of running a competitive sourcing event in which we have the ability to perfectly understand the different participant companies and highlight their strengths, their areas of opportunity as well, and evaluate them in a cross-functional and collaborative environment with the internal stakeholder, with uh, quality areas, with legal, I mean, you know, like different participants of the company. 
this is in and I believe it is not anymore just procurement deciding, but being the facilitator to conduct data-driven decisions and and the, you know to work with the best integral solution for the company. I can totally relate to collaboration and being the facilitator. That's how I see uh, the role of procurement in our organization. And uh, I think that it it might seem a little bit different on some uh, categories where procurement has a real role and I would say a decisional role because when you have to discuss discuss about you know furniture or, or stuff like that yes you can make a decision but some from other categories more direct for instance uh for instance in the chemical industry procurement cannot decide what chemicals they want to use or or in legal they won't decide what lawyer they will that they will work with and what they will do so i think that you're right collaboration is key working with um the key stakeholders building the relationship making yourself just they go to you when they want to buy something and they trust your choices and they trust the alternative that you bring them. I think that's absolutely the way to go. So, you know, we talk a lot about the digital procurement and all of this. To what extent can you, when you're started, starting building a, a procurement group and you're very at the early stages of that, to what extent can you implement digital technology at that, at that stage? Yeah. I love that question. I'm pretty passionate about it because uh, it is a must. I mean, in the world that we live today, it is a must to use technology in the sourcing and procurement uh, function and organization because this delivers uh, different benefits that includes, you know, automation, standardization, compliance, and also helps to unload the burden of the tactical and transactional activities and at the same time enhances the internal stakeholder experience. So by implementing technology in the strategic sourcing process, you have transparent processes and the ability to have different participants on the supplier selection process. This also facilitates the decision-making process in uh, the internal and external communication and the overall turnaround time. So. Uh, but it is important to understand uh, when to implement this technology. What is the right fit? What is the right technology for your organization? And uh, it is a common mistake that many organizations make, uh, you know, like uh, by buying some solutions that are not necessarily the right fit for the size of your organization or the requirements of your organization. Yeah, that's a good point. And when we were preparing, we also discovered the fact that when you're building an organization, it it can be at the beginning quite um, adapting to, everyone is adapting to the new ways of working. And, um, and you don't, you may not know yet what will be your organization in like one year, one year and a half from now. And maybe wait a tiny bit to make sure that you know what will be the requirements that you were mentioning just before could be Correct. could be an uh, a smart move and yeah. so so we we talked about you know digital we talked about sizing and so on um you know when when you look at organization setup there's usually two main um two main ways let's say you have one way that is a centralized procurement with dotted lines to the business or functional lines to the business to the businesses and then you have another 
setup that's at the other end of the spectrum, which is a decentralized procurement that aligned to uh, the procurement group and the CPO. So what's your take on, on those two on those two um, setups? Yeah, well, we talk about the, you know, the different uh, maturity levels on the procurement organizations and within different organizations. So having a separate procurement uh, pillar, like totally independent is a sign of a mature procurement or in general, a mature organization. Because in my perspective and experience, the benefit of having an independent procurement function provides the ability to make an economic decisions in, uh, on how to conduct a relationship with external suppliers and benefit of the organization without the influence of a third party. You know, because procurement should have the ability to work as a separated pillar of any internal influences. Uh, you know, the primary, uh, those primary influences and drivers should be only uh, to ensure the supply of good service, to ensure the best quality and the best commercial conditions. I've seen procurement organizations reporting to the COO or CFO, and sometimes the pressure that comes from above does not really allow to uh, procurement uh, to make the best decisions and bring the best conditions for the company. So in my perspective and, uh, and experience, a sign of a, a mature organization is having procurement as a, a separate and independent pillar uh, that makes decision uh, without any other internal influence. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I think there's also something linked to the rest of the organization, you know, that, for instance, I worked with a company where um, the, there was a central procurement group, but then the, there were business units that were quite independent, even on the, the, the material they were using and buying and the markets they were serving. And in that case, it's, it makes sense to have a regional or decentralized procurement groups, but not for all categories. Going back to what we we're saying before, there are many categories and there are many uh, suppliers to deal with. Uh, there is value in centralizing the management of some categories where you have the, the same suppliers, because that's where you have uh, discounts on volume, you have economies of scales, you can build a list of, of preferred suppliers that make sense and that not too big because you don't want to have like 100 suppliers. So there's, there's, there's virtue in that. But when mm -hmm. that's not the case for, um, you know, uh, organizational reason, reasons or regional uh, procurement uh, practices or regional access to materials, uh, then you can find a little bit in between. But ultimately, you're right. Uh, the maturity is in uh, centralizing everything that can be centralized and that makes sense being centralized is is the the, the mature stage of uh, of procurement organization. I agree with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. So when you implement a procurement organization, how do you treat professional services and the need for collaboration? We said that before, you mentioned a lot about collaboration. You say that procurement needs to be a facilitator. And we know that that's, that's true for, for many categories where you have that. But for those categories such as you know, legal or consulting or marketing, the, 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 the knowledge of what is to be bought is with the business lines, while the knowledge of procurement practices and what should be done and, and how the risk should be managed is in procurement. So how do you make sure 
that they do collaborate. Yeah, well, if you think that uh, all those different relationships with the third party or external companies is uh, an intention of the company to invest money in that relationship and engage in a legal agreement, that's uh, that's something that must be evaluated as any other product or service. But you mentioned and uh, there are certain trust relationships in which we need to consider uh, uh, other uh, factors such as legal services or advisories for specific industries. And I'll pick an, ex as an example, uh, the advisory services for government relationships. Uh, so that's why it's important to foster, like you know, the internal collaboration to have a perfect understanding of how, what the initial requirement is, how to uh, conduct that relationship. If this is something that you can run on a competitive bid, or do you really have to go and find the best commercial condition by negotiation, negotiating with a specific supplier? This uh, uh, government relationship advisors. Uh, sometimes they have some specialty, they have the relationships, and that's something you want to use, you need to use to conduct those uh, relationships. So it's not something that you can go and, you know, like try to find the best uh, source for that. You want to to work with that legal uh, uh, company, you want to work with that advisory company. So that's... Uh, you need to, again, going back to, to, the, to your previous question, you need to work closely with your uh, internal stakeholder to understand all uh, the specifics of the requirement. No, so it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's um, really understanding not only the specific need of what has to be done, but also what skills or, or, or relationships or other parameters you need to consider in the decision and sometimes it means not running a, a competitive bid and and just trying to get the best out of the relationship building a long-term relationship whatever uh the need is on the long on the long run for for the business lines yeah all right so now it's time for the takeaway so what is the one thing that our listeners should remember from our conversation I'm going to say, uh, and I mentioned that before, that being the customer of choice, usually we're so focused on, uh, you know, the understanding the value of the procurement organizations, like true savings, true efficiencies, true, uh, you know, uh, ensuring supplier materials or services. We're so focused in uh, on that. But if uh, the if the procurement organization or the sourcing organization is able to become the customer of choice for the companies we make business with, uh, that is actually something that will ensure the relationship will run smoothly because your suppliers will prefer to work with you. You know, there we are now living in a global economy in which uh, the diversification of companies offering goods and services and buying goods and services is not just local or regional. That, that's something global right now. So you have to become and show what is the value to the external suppliers to work with you. Mm -hmm. That's uh, my takeaway. Oh, that's I, I think that's a very good one. It's um, 
I have that that saying, it's, you know, the, the big fish in a small, small pond. It's not only that, but it's about getting the extra mile from your supplier just because they like to work with you and not on a, oh, he's my friend type of relationship, but more, I like to work with them because they pay on time, they're fair, uh, they give us interesting work, um, you know, they give us visibility on volumes and stuff like that. Exactly. Right. Thank you, Ricardo. That was really super interesting. Thanks again. Thank you, Elaine. It was really nice to talk to you. So now it's your turn to tell us about your experience and your challenging when building an organization for procurement. Don't forget to subscribe if you want to be notified when a new episode is out. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoy this episode. And if that's the case, don't forget to give us a thumbs up. So happy sourcing to you all. Bye and au revoir. And that's a wrap for this episode of our Procurement Game Changers series. But we'll soon be back with yet another exciting session with one of the movers and shakers from the procurement space. Meanwhile, remember to visit our website at consultingquest.com for more consulting updates and procurement know-how and join us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Until then, goodbye from the entire Consulting Quest family. Have a great day.